1: Welcome one, welcome all. It is the NFC East Mixtape presented to you in partnership with Bleeding Green Nation and Blog of the Boys. He is Brandon Lee Gowden of BGN. I am RJ Ochoa of BTB. This is the greatest crossover event in the history
2: of all mankind and the future. BLG, how goes it? Uh, It's a hot, sweaty summer day here, RJ, in Philly. Uh, It's been a stressful day. No one cares, but air conditioner on the fritz. I'm watching a dog, so a lot of fun going on here.
1: Mm. Um, you want to tell everybody the dog's name? I mean, just you know, just so we're all aware. I mean, let us all into your life.
2: I can just plug my Instagram here. Really cheap oh. plug for myself on Instagram. That's at Brandon Gouten, same as my Twitter handle. So boom, I just plug two things at once. There, real pro. It's Beverly, but obviously we just call her Bev. She's a real sweetie, except when she likes to bark. So we might be hearing her or from her at some point in the podcast. she might want to weigh in at some point on mm-hmm. like how bad your takes are. So we'll see. Mm. Just like you, my Twitter and Instagram handles are the
1: same thing. It's just our Ochoa. Look at that—the the, um, the baked-in plug. Uh, so four plugs, two hosts, two websites, two different podcast feeds. That's the NFC's mixtape in a nutshell. That's right, two dogs. Bears here too. Um, two dogs who both start with DE. Uh, so maybe that's that's who we are BLG we just have to we have to be in this moment Uh, I did want to ask you uh, before we started recording we always record the mixtape on Tuesdays even though you're all listening to this on Wednesday tonight is game six of the NBA finals you have been wrong with your NBA predictions before BLG Uh, but who wins tonight Bucks and six or Suns make it to seven Uh,
2: so I haven't been watching a lot of the finals too painful just don't mm-hmm. even care anymore. The Sixers eliminated. And, I, I mean, any team that I give the uh, the prediction here, too, it's it's like a kiss of death for them uh, mm-hmm. based on my previous NBA prediction. So I'm going to say the Bucs win because I don't want them to win. I think I want the Suns to win. I'd prefer them to get their championship. Uh, but do I feel like that's going to happen? I feel like the Bucs are going to win, and I'm going to say the Bucks are going to win, and I'm going to hope they will not win.
1: Mm, well, let's assume the Bucks do win, uh, which you mentioned. I wanted you to know, BLG, that the last time the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA Finals, the Dallas Cowboys won the following Super Bowl. Also, <laughs> the last time that the Phoenix Suns lost an NBA Finals, the Dallas Cowboys went on to win the following <laughs> Super Bowl. So just just throwing out facts like these are these are facts right now. That's all I'm saying. A, yeah, a lot is riding on the line for you now. <laughs> um so uh, the Dallas Cowboys will begin their quest for their sixth Lombardi Trophy. Actually, today, the day you're listening to this, Wednesday, training camp begins for the Cowboys. The Cowboys, obviously, along with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who were at the White House uh, while BNG, BLJ and I are recording, all begin training camp this week. BLG and I are celebrating camp's arrival by discussing uh, really, you know, questions that we have entering training camp. You know, we've been doing a lot of things we're excited about on the BTB feed BLG. I know you guys are all over the place at BGN radio. But right now it's time to time to poke. You know what I mean? Time to see what we're inquisitive about when it comes to all four teams in division.
2: Yeah, I think that's how you traditionally celebrate with questions. That's how you really like, you know, like just have a good time. Uh look, I think we're going to be covering some of the positives and the negatives with this thing. It's it's questions that are yet to be answered. It could be positive, but they could also go poorly. So I think we're kind of looking at both sides of it. Mm. Uh, by the way, Bilgey, a different aside, I just got a
1: WhatsApp from my dad. Um, you're not mm. a big golf fan, but you know the way Masters tickets work? Are you aware no. of this? Uh, well, the Masters, I'm sure you're aware, is the most you know, prestigious golf tournament in the world. Yes. right? Um, so it's super traditional the way they do everything. So you have to enter a lottery to win tickets and if you win you can buy them at face value so you can literally buy tickets for Sunday at the Masters for like 200 bucks which is incredibly reasonable given you know like big time sporting events and so my dad did not win the lottery this year I have not gotten my email yet just at the time that we're Mm. recording some a little excited we'll see what happens by the time this is over but
2: uh BLG where do you want to start well, so just to put a bow oh. on that, you want to you want win an opportunity to buy tickets. Is what yeah, you're so at.
1: so you like you. Not everybody can buy the tickets because so many people want to go, so they have to hold the it. lottery. But again, the Masters does everything the way they did, like in whenever they were first founded. So that's why prices are so low. I've been once already to the Masters, and I'm sure you see this every year, BLG, But like the concessions are really cheap. Like you can get like a a soda for like a dollar, like the sandwiches are like 50 cents. Like it's part of the, you know, the lure of the environment. And so you, you know, yes, you want to win the lottery to buy the tickets, but they are, compared to what the event costs on the secondary market, incredibly reasonable, which is what I'm hoping for. Uh, but yeah. that will be April of 2022. The Cowboys will have won the Super Bowl, had their parade, the mm-hmm. combine allowed to be in the books and everything. Um, you know how it goes. But uh, so what team do I start with? Cowboys, well, why Giants? Why don't we Eagles? them?
2: Because you just said they're oh. going to win the Super Bowl. So why don't we look at their biggest questions from the jump?
1: Um, well, the biggest question is, I don't actually don't know what the biggest question is. Maybe you will help us sort that out. Mm-hmm. My nominees or my contenders are the health of Dak Prescott and co because you've got Dak, you've got Tyron Smith, you've got Lyle Collins, you could throw Layton Van Derish in there if you want, you could throw Zach Martin in there if you want. How sustainable is each of their healths? Uh, is one of their healths whatever. Uh, Mike McCarthy might be the biggest question because there's a lot committed to that, obviously, in the future uh, of what he's going to represent to the Cowboys. Also, this defense, the Cowboys spent I, w- I hesitate to say a lot. They didn't spend a lot financially in free agency, but just about every resource they had this offseason was allocated to the defensive side of the ball. They admitted the mistake that was Mike Nolan. They acquired Dan Quinn to be their defensive coordinator. One of the, I think, more respectable moves that any team made this offseason, I think Dan Quinn's a solid hire, but that might not be enough. So those are my three main questions. How do you feel about them?
2: To me, it comes down to the obvious one, which is Dak Prescott's health. I think it's easy to kind of just gloss over like the fact that he suffered a really significant injury. I mean, think about the last time we saw him and he was being carted off the field. And I was like, Oh man, like that looks really bad. And it's not like he's super old and like he's, he's never going to be able to recover. And obviously with today's environment or climate, whatever, like, you know, people are recovering from injuries like faster and more you know, effectively than ever. I get all that. I that. Under- I acknowledge all that, but like, can we just assume hundred percent like that the injury is going to have like zero effect on him this year or like, or maybe if it's not even the whole season that, but maybe there's some rust to knock off at the beginning of the year. Like that's what I kind of wonder about having seen it firsthand, a different injury, of course, but with Carson Wentz, you know, with his ACL injury, I think a lot of Eagles fans were like, Oh, he's going to be fine. Like this isn't going to be that big of a deal. There was obviously some concern, but like, you know, not to the point where it was, you know, like, like, mitigating any hopes of, you know, going to another Super Bowl within the, the uh, couple years after going to their first one. So I kind of just wonder if we're kind of just like glossing over Dak coming off this injury uh, a little too much.
1: Yeah, I think the Carson points a good one, like an example of how it doesn't always you're right, like nowadays and we're actually talking today. Cam Akers' towards ACL certainly hoping uh, for a quick recovery there. But I mean, you tear your ACL. It's no longer like a career ender. You can come back the following year. However, it is not necessarily still just an easy thing to do. Um, I do think, and I think you would acknowledge, the Carson thing is also complicated by the fact that, you know, the moment, every moment of his rehab was like, yeah, well, we just won the Super Bowl. So really yeah. how important, like, you know, the psyche of it all is different versus the psyche of Dax injury is like, oh, we're terrible without you. You know what I mean? Like you are so needed. Uh, that's mm-hmm. an important factor here. I think everything he's done to to this point, mini camps and every time he's been seen, is, has certainly checked off every box, but you're right. It is an unknown, and if he is, obviously, completely healthy, completely viable, I think there's every reason to believe this offense can contend with the best in the NFL, but that obviously is a big if, but I do think a bigger if, I'm, or I'll, I'll put it this way, I'm more confident in Dax returning from injury than I am the long-term, even across one season health, of both Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins. I think people forget Lyle missed the whole season. Basically, for being out of shape. That's a really heavy concern.
2: Yeah. And then Tyron Smith hasn't played. What was the stat that you have? He has not played a full
1: season since 2015. So Dak Prescott mm. has never had him for all 16 games. And now you can tack on a 17th game, uh, meaning it's even less likely that he plays an entire regular season.
2: So, what's the Cowboys' depth situation looking like at tackle then?
1: So last year uh, for anyone who's unaware, although Cowboys fans are painstakingly aware, the Cowboys actually had to play not just one, but two undrafted free agents at tackle at different times. They had a second year tackle undrafted um, in Brandon Knight, and they had a rookie undrafted free agent tackle in Terrence Steele. And they both, there were a lot of times where the Cowboys were playing, not just with both of them, but with Andy Dalton uh, starting a quarterback and even Ben DiNucci starting a quarterback with that, which explains obviously why things were so bad for so long. Um, I do think that to spin it only positively that, you know, it's really rare, I think you would agree, for tackles that, especially undrafted ones, that young into their NFL careers to have that much NFL experience. And that's Great. nice. Uh, the Cowboys did sign Ty Niseki, uh in the offseason. You know, nice veteran who's been around. And I think that's their optimum swing tackle. They also did draft Josh Ball in the fourth round. Mm. I mean, off the field, there's nothing to, you know, celebrate or, you know, really talk about there. It's all bad. Uh, and And because of that, it's difficult to know what he will factor in. As, as far as his on the field production does he immediately surpass either brandon knight or terrence Steele? um they have some options but it's really time to seki and then cross your fingers
2: yeah because that's what i said i've been um, and i've been saying now dating back to really the genesis of this podcast is like if anything is going to unseat the cowboy season it's their, their overestimation of their offensive line mm-hmm. or if, even if it's not an overestimation but just blows up again i think you know that's that's going to cap their ceiling at some level um, especially with Dak coming off the injury that he is. And, and, you know, God forbid he is feeling some kind of effects or his game is limited in some way. And then, you know, so he doesn't have like maybe the full mobility or full whatever confidence, you know, cause that's, a, that's a big part of it. It's not just about like what you can do physically, but also the mentality of coming back and playing on that and kind of like not having to worry maybe about doing it again or not having that full body confidence, if you want to call it that. So I think that's all pretty big. Um, there's another thing I wanted to say about Dak, but I, I totally forgot what it was. So, oh, I, I remembered it. Good job <laughs> by me. Um, Shout out Bev. I, 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 I do think in training camp, like one of the big things will be like how he's looking now. I know it's only practice and stuff, and I think different players practice differently. What we're going with this was Carson Wentz last year did not look good in training camp. I wrote that like every single day mm-hmm. in my practice. notes. So I was like. Like the ball was hitting the ground a lot like he was not throwing very accurately at all and i didn't really know what to make of it at the time because i've seen players have really bad training camps and then be fine the regular season i've seen players have really good training camps and then look bad in the regular season so i i didn't like want to you know fully press the panic button but in hindsight it was very clear like that was like, setting the stage for like a bad season um now by contrast i've seen nick Foles look like again look terrible training camp and then come in and then you know ultimately win a Super Bowl. So like I I don't always know what to make of that, but I think it'll be important. Like if Dak's not looking 100 percent in training camp, then that is going to be a legitimate concern.
1: I agree with you, and I think that that is going. I think the evaluation of every single Cowboys player at training camp obviously is important. But I I'm just so fascinated by this camp because you know the Eagles the Eagles have trained you know in Philly for how long? They, I mean, they, this is like an every year thing. I mean, don't forever.
2: So they used to go away under Andy Reid, but they've been in Philly now since 2013. Right. Okay. So pretty
1: standard procedure. Last year, as far as location is concerned, wasn't a big difference right well the cowboys obviously didn't go to Oxnard last year because mm. of covid um so they're back in auction in fact mike mccarthy was just about to go visit Oxnard last year when the pandemic first broke out to kind of get a lay of the land and see how everything works and where the weight room is and whatnot get a
2: massage yeah uh-huh. yeah
1: anyway so this is their first training camp in Oxnard under mike mccarthy they're also on hard knocks i mean you know consider that as much of a factor as you want to but um I I don't know if I've ever made this analogy with you. You you're not a friends fan, right? Like you haven't seen every episode of friends. No. Well, there is one episode. You you know who Ross and Rachel are. Uh Ross and Ross and Rachel have some
2: episodes. Right,
1: right, right. Well, Ross and Rachel have broken up. Ross's uh new fiance or new wife, I think at that point, uh, wants him to like get rid of all of his furniture and everything that Rachel ever had like a part in. So he's selling and one of the friends says, like, Oh, so you're basically selling everything she ever touched. And he's like, Yeah. And it kind of felt to me like that's kind of how Mike McCarthy approached. Um, all of the protocols and sort of timings of everything, because under Jason Garrett, at least in Oxnard, the Cowboys used to practice in the afternoon at three o'clock Pacific time. Now they're practicing at 11 o'clock Pacific time. Wow. Before uh, Jason Garrett would speak to the media after the walkthrough in the morning, because they would have their, their kind of walk, you know, sort of just whatever walkthrough in the morning and then the practice later. And he would speak after that. This time around, Michael McCarthy will be speaking to the media in Oxnard before practice so just like these little details that are flipped around you know and then i mean we last year we talked about obviously the the i don't know if you knew this i know you knew that he took the names off of every jersey when they uh streamed their practice on DallasCowboys.com. but blg he also put names on every single practice jersey prior to last year just during any normal practice jerseys did not have names on the back And, and I used to bring this up forever all over blogs and blogging the boys, obviously
2: the the practice Jersey,
1: (laughs) the quarterbacks used to just wear the same color as the rest of the offense. But Mm -hmm. Mike McCarthy instituted a red practice Jersey. So my point is like, he's doing all this stuff. And, I'm really fascinated to see what everything looks like under him in normal Dallas Cowboys training camp environment or the environment that is Oxnard. And so I think that that will obviously have an effect on how Dak looks, on how Micah Parsons looks, on how Amari and Seedy look. I mean, it's going to be very different because Mike McCarthy is doing things his own way.
2: Yeah. So this so you weren't covering. Were you covering training camp last year then or no?
1: Not there at the start, but it was at the start as opposed to obviously being an Oxnard.
2: Right. So I think it's always interesting when a new head coach comes in and to see some of those logistical things, you know, I've been through that here, seeing Doug Peterson, you know, in his first stages and kind of seeing how, especially because Chip Kelly was the first head coach I ever covered. And he was very far from like normal, which I didn't even know what normal was because I wasn't like around rather wasn't covering the team um like having credentialed access before then so like, they just see like practices go at like break speed and like just you know rep after rep after rep after and all this to like slow down with doug peterson like kind of coaching players more like that was a big change kind of going back to the andy reed way of things at least in terms of that's what a lot of the other reporters who were there for andy said now you know nick sirianni already coming in like i noticed some different tweaks when i was out there for eagles otas so with you know mccarthy you're saying like this is you know his first real off season in terms of like at least you being there a lot of other more people than ever being there so getting all to see those little things i don't know how much you know it really means for the team in the big picture but it, they're, they're like interesting things to note and kind of uh just just see like oh this coach does these things differently it's it's worth noting
1: well let's talk about nick Sirianni then in transition to the philadelphia eagles um you have some questions, and I think your questions are always mean when it comes to the Eagles. I think that's what a lot of people would say. Uh, BLG hates the Eagles is generally the perception, I think. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but my question is, I do feel I feel like I'm higher, and you have a lot of statistical data to support Jalen Hurts not being great. And so my take on this, I will fully admit, is, is from an outsider's perspective, just kind of corner of the eye, peripheral vision Mm-hmm. I feel like there's something to be excited about is an aggressive way to put it, uh, but to look forward to at least. And I there were I, I feel like honestly, after and I know we've talked about the week one Washington game last year, it felt like, you know, I I, I would have thought, man, there's no reason to watch any Eagles game this year. Like there's nothing to look mm-hmm. forward to. It doesn't feel like that's the case right now. And I don't know if that's just the Jalen Hurts factor, if that's I hate to say the Nick Sirianni factor, because I know it's not that. But they're, they're just they're, the 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 packaging is different, and for that reason alone, it's it's interesting.
2: Yeah, I, you know, and again, just to clarify, like, I'm not like out on Jalen Hurts <laughs> by any means. I just think you know, like a lot of his like the the projection doesn't look great. And then even if like, but I think there's something to what you're saying. There's something beyond the stats. Just like when you watch a player, I'm a big believer in the eye test. Like that stuff matters. And Jalen Hurts like passes the eye test a little bit. He passes mm-hmm. the like. The it, he has an it factor to him. He absolutely does. I know that's like a very like uh, it's very nebulous, not really well defined, but he he really does. Like he's cool. You see it in his quotes. You see it in his confidence, um, just how he's collected. Uh, he, he has it going on. So I, I think there definitely is reason to be excited about him. But, you know, he's going to be a player to watch in training camp for sure in terms of like, is he looking good? Because where, as I talked about where Carson Wentz was having major issues with his accuracy last year, uh Jalen Hurts had those during the season. Uh during training camp, I thought he looked solid, kind of ups and downs. You know, obviously he wasn't getting the same amount of reps as Carson Wentz was because he was going to be the backup. Or actually he was running with the third team a bit because the Eagles still had Nate Sudfeld running with the twos at the number time. I know. So uh the tank master himself. So uh yeah, I, I think there's a lot for Jalen Hurts to show in this training camp. Really want to see him improve you know, as a passer, you know, the running's like, his mobility is great. That's awesome. But you know, if he's going to be a top quarterback in the NFL, he really has to improve with his arm. We need to see that. And I think if we see signs of that in training camp, then I'll be encouraged heading into the season. I do think there's something to
1: it being the Jalen show now, right? Because there was obviously a level of or an air of awkwardness last year with him and Carson and the draft and the quarterback factory. And I mean, it just it got off on the left foot. And so I think getting all that out of the way, getting it organized, so to speak, it's kind of like when when you're a kid and you clean your room, you know what I mean? And then you go in after dinner and you're like, man, this is nice. You know what I mean? Like, I should I should have done this, you know, a long time ago. Um, and I think having Devontae Smith, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm also a big believer in building confidence. And I feel like if you're Jalen Hurts, it's easier to be good when you have really good wide receivers, or at least a really good wide receiver running for you. So, like, that has to help. I mean, and Devontae, we haven't even mentioned Devontae Smith. That's got to be really exciting to watch him in training camp.
2: Oh yeah. Easily. A full I mean, number,
1: but but really good wide receiver.
2: No, it's gonna look really good when he's you know scoring touchdowns on the Dallas Cowboys. But um uh yeah, Dylan hurts, I, I I'm really interested to see not only how obviously he performs, but like how the team rallies around him too, which I think they will because mm-hmm. they basically have done that anywhere he's been. I mean, like, even when he got benched in Alabama, he was still, like, beloved. It wasn't like, oh, get, you know, Jalen Hurts out of the building. Like, get him out of the program. No, like, we love him. He obviously is, like, not the best option right now, but a lot of his teammates still loved him a lot. Like, he's that guy. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how this team kind of gels around him and kind of, like, you know, rises up to support him. I think they're absolutely going to play hard for him, which at times I think, you know, Carson Wentz's teammates didn't always seem to do. when you could contrast it when like Hertz came in or when Foles came in, the team suddenly had like this new energy. So maybe Jalen Hurts gives the team from the jump like this energy. And that would be really encouraging to see. Um, yeah. Really big camp for him again, in terms of the accuracy and everything. And it's interesting because I've talked about this before in BGN radio, but it's weird because like Carson Wentz to me has major issues with accuracy. I would say Carson Wentz does not have good touch. Now, mm. Jalen Hurts had a lot of bad accuracy numbers last year, but I don't think he lacks touch. I think he lacks, like, repetitive accuracy. I think his arm strength obviously isn't, like, ideal or elite by any means. So it's kind of different. Like, they're, they're kind of different things there. Like, I've seen Jalen Hurts, like, like, put enough air under a ball for a wide receiver to run under that. I do not see that from Carson Wentz very often. So it's kind of interesting to look at the differences there. Um, but, yeah, really big camp for Jalen. It's, it's exciting. Um, if you're looking at it from the standpoint of this is a new start, the quarterback was so bad last year, maybe he can show us something. He can improve. Like uh, no one is ruling out the possibility that a young player can get better. My question has always been though, how much better are you realistically expecting them to get? You're not going from like one of the very worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL to like a top five quarterback realistically. Is it possible in theory? Sure. Is it likely? What's the precedent for that? I don't I don't see it.
1: Mm, I'm trying to think of what any precedent for it would be, um, maybe Derek Carr in 2016 <laughs> when when he played really well when he, when he broke his leg, um, mm. I mean I it's there's not a lot of examples. No, um, if if Philadelphia Eagles training camp was a movie. And there was a poster for it, right? Like kind of like an Avengers poster. that had a bunch like of a different Star people. Like a Star Wars poster? Yeah, or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Who would Who would be at the center of it? Would it be Jalen Hurts? Like, like the biggest face, you know what I mean? Or the biggest profile? Would it be him or would
2: it be Nick Sirianni? What well, are the Eagles making this or am I making this? Because this is an important question here.
1: I want the answer to both then.
2: Okay. So if the Eagles are making it, I don't think he's front and center because like he wasn't even on like their ticket promotion and like <laughs> schedule promotion stuff. Like he was barely on there. So is Sirianni
1: their center guy, their centerfold dude?
2: Honestly, yeah. I think from their perspective, again, at least, yeah. Like, a lot of the stuff they've, like, tweeted out. Like, it's so weird. Like, Eagles social media has not always been on their A-game this offseason. I respect the people who do that. I know some of the people who do that. And I think they, you know, put a good effort in. But sometimes the execution isn't, or at least this offseason, hasn't come out. I think the best way, there's been a lot of, like, like photo shoots almost of nick sirianni it's like look at our new head coach it's like no one cares you guys are coming off a 411 one season no one cares about like what the new head coach like looks like in like all these different shirts or whatever like <laughs> yeah that's a hard weird, thing so. to sell
1: like it's different than when when you see a player in his new uniform yeah. you're like oh that's awesome like right take the helmet off let me see it like it's like okay nick now put on the half sip you know what i mean like <laughs> it's, it's, that's a weird it's thing like, who
2: cares yeah, yeah. so I think it would be Sirianni right now. I think Hertz is like, uh he should be on there obviously, but, but that's a, what you're saying there is a really good point because the Eagles don't, and this is one of the biggest problems with them and their outlook. Like who were their star players? Who are the, and especially not like just like, obviously you can say Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey. Great. Those players are all over 30 and could feasibly be gone. Like as soon as next year, probably not Brandon Graham, but like, it's it's possible. Like, so, like, the, who are the building blocks? Who are these guys? Who are the guys on the team that are going to be here for like years and years to come? Devontae Smith, and I don't know, because Dallas Goddard could be, but he's not signed like next year. Like, there's a lot of question marks.
1: I also think it's interesting that maybe you're the the, the biggest star is this incredibly quiet person, right? In Devontae. So he's not, not even this, like, this, this yeah. person, like, like an Amari I, over here. Right. Exactly. Like, um, like, like I could never see Devonte Smith doing the Sunday Night Football intro with Carrie Underwood. You know what I mean? Like he would never, never want to do that. But um, who, who would be at the center of your poster? So now you're in charge. You're the one, like Devonte Smith. It. Okay, okay, fine. <laughs> well, th- my question is like Jalen versus Sirianni. Are they the two like bordering him? Like is it Devonte in the middle and then Jalen on one side and Sirianni on the other?
2: Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I think, and I think there's something too with the Eagles are doing a little bit. I think part of it is they don't believe in him, or at least they're not obviously not all in on him. You know, you see this Deshaun Watson rumors and stuff. I think the other part of it is just like they want to make him earn it, which I'm fine with. I'm totally fine because so I think they anointed Carson, not even think they did anoint Carson Wentz too early. And I get it. You trade up for him, he's your guy. It's not like a secret. But I think having the kind of the luxury if you want to call it that, or really it's like the downfall of not having an established quarterback. Is that like, you can kind of be a little bit more like make him earn it as opposed to a more established person. Um, You have one last thing before we leave the Eagles all together at BLG.
1: And that's one last question. I certainly one that I think everybody has interest in.
2: Yeah. It's what is going to happen with their biggest battle, which is the left tackle position. Mm. I think it was you, I believe. On the uh, NFC, or no, sorry, and now I'm getting it wrong. That's our <laughs> podcast that we're on right now. Shows you where my mind is at today. Um, on the SB Nation NFL show, some program there with Pete Sweetie. You guys were talking about the all NFC's team, which we, of course was the one we already made. But you had talked about how if you're just taking an offensive line as a whole, you believe the Eagles have merit as like the top unit, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so but like I agree if everything goes right, but there's yeah, some big ifs there.
1: It's all like a if if in in a in a perfect vacuum world where everything's great. That's that's where my answer is based on.
2: Yeah, the, the potential is there. The upside. You can see a path to where it plays out, where the Eagles offensive line is really good. And it's a realistic path. It's not like uh mm-hmm. you know, like every literally everything goes right, but there's some big ifs, and one of those ifs, along with the health of Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey, who are all over thirty, is who is gonna be the left tackle? Because it's either Jordan Mailata, who literally didn't know how to play football a couple years ago and showed some promising signs last year. But I think also his play has always been kind of like, what expectations are you going to have for a guy who doesn't know how to play football? Like anything he does that like is not terrible, you're going to be like, oh, that's awesome. Because there's, again, there's no expectations here, you know. And then it's competing with Andre Dillard, the Eagles 2019 first round pick so that'll be really interesting to see how that plays out maybe the competition brings out the best in both of those players and you get like a a really good option at left tackle but it's really rare RJ you know like being the historian you are I feel like you can appreciate the fact that like forever basically in our lives at least like the Eagles have always had a like an answer at left tackle it was Trey Thomas and then it was Jason Peters like for years and years and too long with Jason Peters, but like they always had that left tackle, and now they might, but we don't know. So it's a big question mark.
1: Yeah, I do think I mean the NFC has low key, had some great left tackle play, like not just Jason Peters, Trent Williams, Tyrod Smith, like you mentioned, Trey Thomas, uh Flozell Adams. Like there's it's it's been kind of this like historically great, and I don't even mean like deep history, but just recent history. Um, and so that's tough, and like it's I mean, you know, I understand being shaky about or having shaky confidence in the Eagles when you're like, I don't know how good this quarterback's going to be. I don't know how good this head coach is going to be. And my third, like most pressing concern is who's going to play left tackle.
2: Those are all yeah. really
1: important things. Um, mm-hmm. And so I understand. Who do you think has the inside track to winning the left tackle job, though?
2: I think it's Jordan Malata. He's younger, by like two years. Andre Diller is one of those old draft picks. Like he's turning 26 this year. So his mm, third year, is already going to be 26, which is old for like, so to, and put that in perspective, I think like offensive tackles who came out, I was comparing this like last year when there was talk that he might not start and Jason Peters might come back to replace him, which was almost happened uh, before Brandon Brooks got hurt. It's like, you know, rookies were like 21. And like Andre Dillard is 25 last year, it's like it's like a big difference. So anyway, I think he's younger. Dillard really struggled not only as a rookie, but last year in camp too. There was one day in practice where he literally just got like bull rushed into the ground by Joe Osman, who's like been on the practice squad and stuff for the Eagles. Like he just got destroyed, and like almost to the point where he landed on Carson Wentz's legs and like could have taken him out for the season. So uh, maybe he's gotten better since then. Whatever, I'll believe it when I see it. I think it's gonna be Jordan Mailata to make you feel worse about the whole age thing amari
1: cooper who was the fourth overall pick in 2015 is just 27 years old so yeah yeah that's true sure. no uh, look
2: i don't feel worse about it it's i didn't <laughs> make the pick but yeah uh
1: well it w- there was a lot of twitter you know gloating happening that night when philly snaked him from houston so i mean you know that's all i'm saying but um right. okay uh let's take a break and when we get back we will discuss the new york football giants and the washington football team Welcome back. It is the NFC's mixtape. Bev has not barked, neither has Bear. Uh, maybe I just cursed us, BLG. Sorry if that is the case. Uh, would you rather dive into the G-min or the FT
2: next? Let's get to the New York football giants first because we'll save the NFC East champions, which sounds mm. weird to say, the reigning NFC champions for last. Um, the biggest question, RJ, is one of these things that I've seen. It's like something like... I feel like that isn't you're not ready to press the panic button just yet, especially if you're Giants fans. And I think there are Gi- Giants fans who are really downplaying this because I've been reading through the comments, perusing, if you will, on mm-hmm. BigBlueView.com, which is obviously you should check out if you're looking for Giants coverage. Shout out to Ed Valentine. Um, there's this weird story, RJ, that's kind of been lingering here. Like about, you know, say, Con Barkley, like, is he going to be ready for training camp? And he said, "Quote: I don't know. We'll see.
1: He also said that uh, a moment later, he was asked if you'll be ready for week one. So it's, mm. you know, because that's the natural follow up, right? Like, well, if you don't, you're going to be ready for training camp. And they do report this Thursday, by the way. So, I mean, it's here. Um, and he went on to say, uh, BLG, shout out to the New York Giants current offensive coordinator that he is taking things day by day. I don't like that answer if I'm a Giants fan. Like, that scares me. Uh, we talked earlier about how, you know, devastating injuries aren't career enders anymore. But, I mean, and and I think you as shaky as we talked about, or not shaky, but as like questionable as you might be with Dak Prescott's injury or return from injury, we've seen him, right? Like we've seen it. We've seen it, you know, at mini-camp. And so like you you can believe, yeah. like, okay, he's on the path. Like this, this is happening. I feel like we haven't really seen anything from Saquon. And I feel like he's just been like off the face of the earth since he got hurt, and that's a shame. But I think it is fair to doubt whether he's going to be ready for camp. And if he's not, I'll ask the question. If he's not ready for camp. 1 to 10 how concerning is that if you're a Giants fan?
2: Uh I would well not ready for camp it's like an 8 it's a not it's like a, it's pretty concerning it should be. I think I don't think Giants fans are concerned cuz I think they're telling themselves they're kind of lying to themselves a little bit right now. They're like oh this is a nothing burger. The media's trying to make it, you know, something right. out of nothing. And maybe it is if Saquon is really just intentionally playing coy for some reason and like is kind of having fun like messing with people, but ask yourself like is that really going on or is it something more because like if it was simple as Saquon is going to practice like why would he need to lie you know what i mean like wouldn't he just say like yeah it's not even a question i'll be ready i think players usually like to say that when players players usually are optimistic about their own timelines like usually overly optimistic even about their own timelines when they're talking um because i think it, that's like the an athlete mindset like yeah i'll be i'm i'm fine i'll be back on the field no problem so for saquon to be like cautious about this kind of raises a red flag for me even if it's not like even if he's still going to be ready for week one, but like, you know, how, uh, how close to 100% is he going to be when it's re- week one? Because we've talked about the Giants and their outlook. And I think if they're looking at a successful season, I, I think it's really like Saquon carrying the load and having like this big, like Zeke 2016 like kind of year, like, like where he's really handling a lot of the responsibility, like a Tennessee situation almost, where like the Giants are like towards the bottom of the league in pass attempts per game. And Saquon is like carrying the team with his legs. I, th- I think that that's exactly who they want to be. I think that's why they went. I joked about him earlier, but I think that's
1: why they went and got Jason Garrett, right? Because they said, okay, Garrett, you did it in 2014 with DeMarco Murray. You did it in 2016 with Ezekiel. You did it in 2018 with Ezekiel. Yeah. Come in. We got this workhorse. And this is, I don't even know that we could call this a sample size. I mean, it's a sample blip. Uh, so We have one full game's worth. Of Saquon Barkley with Jason Garrett. It was week one last year, and the Giants lost 16 to 26 against the Steelers on Monday night football. In that game, BLG, do you know how many rushing yards Saquon Barkley had?
2: Oh, the Steelers defense is good. So probably he had 15, he not had 15 carries. That's your your clue. Okay, I'm gonna say like 42 yards. He had six
1: rushing yards. Yeah, okay. Even so less. um he now he was hurt against Chicago last year. Uh, only had four carries, had 28 yards, so a nice rebound there. But I think if I was a Giants fan, and I know we all have thoughts on Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman, like th- I mean, this would be a tough team to make a poster about, by the way. Um, mm. But I think the concern would be that they they are like t- now two years committed, more than that with Saquon, but like this nucleus, two years committed to this idea, and when it doesn't work out, you're so in deep that it's going to take even longer to get yourself out of it.
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty concerning that, again, just we're not hearing 100% from him. Regarding the poster, I mean, it's Saquon at the middle. Sure. Um, but that's so weird because, like, I know this is – I'm jumping at the gun a little bit here, but I'm thinking about, like, you know, obviously how dumb it was to draft him where he was. But, like, the contract's going to come up soon, too. You know what I mean? He's like, already eligible. A... Yeah, I mean – Yeah.
1: It, so that's going to be – Here's the thing for me. How can, I, And I get that Saquon's the, the poster guy, but you drafted a quarterback in the first round. So if the quarterback who you drafted in the first round is not the poster guy, then something went really wrong for you somewhere along
2: the way. You know what I mean? Well, let's flip over to the quarterback because that's one of my big questions here. I think a lot of people, including Pete Sweeney on uh, the ESPN mm. NFL show, uh, their Monday show, did say that, like, and I've heard this repeated a lot of times by a lot of people, so I'm not trying to single out Pete here. But a lot of people have been like, Daniel Jones is out of excuses because the, uh, you know, the Giants got Kenny Galladay. They've like, you know, upgraded their weapons, but like offensive line is still not good, right? Like, we, can we all agree on this? Like, so I was looking at, you know, ESPN's recent article and like pass block win rate and everything and projecting the top pass blocking offensive lines this year. And Giants, bottom of the list. I was looking at pro football focuses, offensive line rankings. Uh, which were released, I think, a little bit earlier this summer, earlier this month or so. And guess who's thirty second? It's the New York Giants. And I think the hope there is they have some young players, obviously, obviously uh, Andrew Thomas among those. There, you know, was a number four overall pick last year, and they're hoping some guys can take a step. But like going back to what I'm saying about like bridging the gap, like wh- where is the realistic ceiling for that Giants offensive line? I think it's you can argue that like they might be able to be good enough and passable, and they won't be like a total disaster tire fire like 100 percent, but like they're not going to be some great unit like i just don't see like like where what are you pointing to when you're if you're if you're making the case for that what's your argument there to like to support that i'm not seeing it so i think it's kind of interesting when we talk about how dino jones like is running out of excuses i don't know i mean i get that the giants have added some more weapons but if saquon's not ready and the offensive line still stinks and it's still jason garrett there, like i don't think they should like keep they shouldn't like hold on to Daniel Jones because he hasn't gotten a fair shake. I think we can still kind of evaluate him throughout all this, but I wouldn't say like he's out of excuses.
1: I mean, I don't know. Like that's fair to say that maybe he would still have some excuses left, but I'd like that. That's not a good thing. Yeah. And I I know you're not saying that, you know what I mean? But like,
2: I I want to clarify. Like, yeah, I, I think like, I'm not saying he has excuses. I'm just saying, like, there's still a lot of things wrong here. It's not like the perfect situation.
1: Yeah, he's – I don't think he's Sam Darnold with the Jets. Like, he's not, you know, completely helpless the way – and I don't know that I even think Darnold was completely helpless. I mean, Darnold, you know, didn't do a lot of things himself. We'll see what he does in Carolina. Um, But, I mean, it's just – and this – like, that's why – it all points to Dave Goodham. There's so few teams in the NFL that I – personally undeniably point the finger at the general manager like I don't have enough to really point at Joe Judge uh but Dave Gettleman has, has and, and he's rebounded you know Leonard Williams obviously we both are high on their secondary like there are some things that trade this year with Chicago like there are some things he's done mm-hmm. uh that that you know deserve some attaboys but you know you mentioned you know the the young offensive line like, every time I think about that, I think about Will Hernandez. And he's not young anymore. You know what I mean? Like, there are these, these players that were supposed to pan out for them over a few years now that just haven't. They haven't become these, like, all-world dudes. Um, They've they've made up for in other instances. But that's why, like, I've been saying this all offseason. Like, there's nothing about this team that I find appealing or intimidating. I, I don't see any reason why they are going to be better than anybody in the NFC. The only team, like I said, I feel 100% confident in, being worse than them in the conference is the lions. And even then, like if you wanted to give me a push there, I would take it. Like I would rather bet on the lions and the giants.
2: Yeah. Like the, the guys to, to your point of the offensive line, like who are you really excited about for their Nobody. potential? Like Andrew, well, Andrew Thomas, I think is a fair one. I think you know, obviously he struggled. I think he kind of improved as the year went along, but that's a, you know, that's obviously a fair one. He was a, a high pick. Um, but like outside of that, like you're talking about like Nick Gates has a lot of potential. You're talking about like Shane Lemieux has a lot of potential. Like, what are we talking about here like these aren't like or matt pert like you know these aren't like these like amazing superior kind of prospects again you might be able to kind of coach these guys up and get them to play like fine and look we've seen that work for the giants in the past like they've they kind of got more out of less when they won championships now that's a long time ago different coaches the same thing they caught lightning
1: in a bottle twice and we both know that but like so Their strategy is almost to catch lightning in a bottle. And granted, they did do it again. So if anybody could do it, conceivably it is them. But it's just, this is such a hard bet. Like, I I don't even know what they're betting on. Like, I don't know if they're betting on Saquon. I don't know if they're betting on Daniel Jones. Like, I, I don't know where all of their chips are allocated, if that makes sense.
2: I think it all is really in Saquon, so a big, a big reason why <laughs> like Giants fans really kind of have to hope. Now, you know, one of the like the silver linings of him not being ready for training camp could be that he doesn't suffer a season-ending injury in training camp. You know, mm-hmm. and maybe they take it easy with him. And maybe again, to be fair, like to, to see the other side of it, maybe that's what they're kind of doing with him. They're just trying to play it extra safe, and that's why they're having him take this approach which I could respect if that is the case. I just, I'm not fully convinced that is. And I think there might be some kind of bigger concern here that is currently being uh, like, I think people, it could be like an iceberg here. It's like, you're just seeing the tip. There could be much more underneath.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's end our giants talk with this fun game. Uh, We never ever dive into fantasy here. This we're just like dipping the toe into fantasy, by the way. I think we need to make an SB Nation NFL show fantasy league uh, mm. where different shows are different teams, but that's a whole. That's, we'll leave that to somebody else, maybe Michael Kist, uh, but um I'm just going to rip through a couple, a handful of different running backs in the NFL. So you're up in your fantasy draft, BLG, it's you're on the clock, so your choice is Saquon or the following running backs. All right. It's your first pick. Um, and I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go by division, so I'm not like going by any sort of ranking. And I'm going with practical guys. You're not taking Zeke, but Aaron Jones, and and assume Aaron Rodgers is, is in Green Bay.
2: He is or isn't? Yeah, he, he is. is. He is there. And I'm taking him over. So Saquon, Saquon,
1: or Aaron Jones in this instance.
2: Uh, Aaron Jones. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook.
1: Al- Alvin Kamara. Kamara. Christian McCaffrey.
2: McCaffrey um mm. uh nick chubb chubb joe mixon uh saquon maybe jonathan taylor uh saquon maybe
1: that i think that's the push and uh the only other yeah. last notable one is derrick henry but you would take derrick henry obviously i mean, yeah, jo- yeah, I mean what, what, would, what yeah. about josh ja- what about josh jacobs
2: uh that's that's still in the category of i think maybe saquon
1: yeah, like, I think Jacobs and Taylor are the pushes. You're like, you could you could talk yourself into more, uh, like, you're more comfortable. You, you know what I mean? Like, especially if it's your first pick because you believed in their offenses. Maybe not Josh Jacobs specifically. Maybe not Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so maybe those are bad examples. But uh, that was a fun game, at least for us. Maybe not for Saquon. Um, the Washington football team. BLG. Your favorite
2: team in the division. Mm.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so where do you want to go here? And I was going to say, by the way, BLG, that I am in a Madden League. I mean, I recently beat Washington with Dallas and I wanted to give a huge, gigantic shout out to Josh, who sent me an enormous amount of information, uh, on his fantasy or not fantasy league, Madden League that he does with his brother. I don't know a group of people that are more concentrated towards making Madden awesome than Josh and his brother. So shout out to them. Loyal NFC's mixtape listener BLG. He used the Eagles. Uh, he sent me his like kind of career resume. Um, mm-hmm. He used the Eagles at one point in time in his Madden. He used three other teams. Who do you think they were?
2: Uh, the Bengals, the Chargers and the Texans wrong. The
1: Cleveland Browns. You're kind of close. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the new york jets where i thought Doug
2: w- Peterson was this worth a guess <laughs> it it was, was, what was had, the outside of me guessing this i had
1: fun uh but so the washington football team uh what questions do you have
2: You'd my biggest question or one of my so it's weird i feel like there aren't as many questions although there should mm-hmm. be given like their situation like like i disagree I, I just, well at least going in the like well i look at the big ones right like I don't have a question about Ryan Fitzpatrick going into training camp. Like I, I think we all know what to expect from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like we're not going to learn anything about Ryan Fitzpatrick in training camp, other than like the like remote possibility that somehow he gets beat out. If you like, you're a Taylor Henneke fan there, and you like, you really believe in him, but I just don't really see that as a thing, so I can't even consider that. Um, the thing I wrote down here was the concern of the offensive line. You know, we talked about the Giants' offensive line. Well, I think the Washington football team's offensive line picture is a little kind of up in the air here because, you know, they released Morgan Moses, which seemed like, you know, not like fully expectedly. Um, So that was kind of strange. And now, obviously, they signed Charles Leno. uh, I pulled like a really Philly move there. I pluralized the name for no good reason. Uh, Charles Leno and uh, Cornelius Lucas, who's kind of been like has some experience. Like, are those guys going to be the starters there? Is, you know, their second round pick Samuel Cosme? Like, is he going to step up? Like, I think I was looking at PFF, and by the end of the season, Washington had like the sixth best offensive line. Like the offensive line played well and, you know, arguably again, above expectation because they didn't even have like a great option at left tackle last year. So maybe they can kind of get more out of less. We'll see, you know, what it goes like this year. But right now in PFS rankings, despite being sixth at the end of the season, they're 16th now. So kind of more middle of the pack. And I kind of just wonder what that looks like up front. I think all of these are fair points, specifically the offensive line. I do want to address the Ryan
1: Fitzpatrick thing first. I don't have a question about him at all, like even entering the regular season, because I know who Ryan Fitzpatrick is. That's the one thing I know. I know he's, I've said this a hundred times. He's going to have some cute moments. We're going to have some great memes. We're going to have some fun. There's going to be a Sunday where the Cowboys are playing in the afternoon slot, and there's going to be like a, a tweet that shows up of Ryan Fitzpatrick's press conference from earlier in the day after the noon game where he had fun because the Washington football team won, blah, 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 but then they will come back down to earth. The offensive line is a huge issue just because there is a level of unknown. There's obviously a lot, you know, sort of riding on Sam Cosme potentially being great. That's very possible. Like you talk about like, like practical paths that you can see, like it's definitely possible. It's a little bit hopeful, but it's definitely possible. But still like this division in general, that I want to say each offensive line is not, not a house of cards, but it's fluid. Like every yeah. offensive line could either be really good, maybe except for New York, or it could just come tumbling down with just like the slightest blow that takes out one player. And that could obviously affect a lot of different things, but that's why I believe in Dallas. Cause they have the best quarterback to adjust for that. But um, my question, my biggest question is about the defense. We both know that defensive, you know, sustainability is one of the harder things to obtain in the NFL. It's one of the statistics, if you want to put it in a wide umbrella, that is most difficult to replicate year over year. Do you know where the Washington football team ranked in defensive DVOA last year? BLG. Was it first? No, it wasn't. But it was really hot. But it wasn't first. It wasn't that low.
2: Okay. Third.
1: (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Bear. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers, you mentioned, were really good.
2: They were first. Washington was third. Does that surprise you uh no it was a really good defense why would it surprise me so i thought you would keep talking i thought you got that hint because i put my thing on mute (laughs) but Mm. um
1: we're doing this live not really do you know where they ranked in 2019
2: uh washington's defense in 2019 no i don't do you want to guess (laughs) i'm really just like ruining the show here um uh sure they're probably i'm trying to even think that feels like forever ago but it wasn't good um let's say like 31st
1: it wasn't that bad it was 24th so and and a lot of that is obviously chase young right and chase young is going to continue to be amazing like i'm in no way doubting that, but I I don't think they will be as high as third again, and I think that there will be some regression there, and that was a big reason why they were able to win. I hate to say as many games. Thank you, Bear, as they were last year, but that will impact them, especially with a shaky offensive line and a, and a turnover prone cornerback.
2: So I agree with you in like the principle of what you're saying. The the, the core tenet of what you're saying about like defenses aren't sticky year to year. I think that's like a like core philosophy of. our show like we say that all the time but now with that said i was reading actually an article on hogs i think just today or yesterday about like is the defense going to take a step back and they were talking about uh something that had been written in the football outsiders almanac which is always good and they talked about how uh fifth youngest defense in the league last season right and that youth comes like at the best positions defensive line is the youngest in the league uh defensive backs were fourth youngest and but their uh, defensive line hurt. was the youngest in the league last year yeah that's defensive amazing was, that's amazing yeah.
1: with ryan kerrigan involved last year
2: well like deron Payne, you know right uh like you're talking about yeah Ionitis is hurt but um chase young like um who else am i missing here like i don't i'm forgetting all the names there's there's so um jonathan allen like there's London a lot of a little, sweat sweat yeah. there's just like So that's why I think they could if if they if there's a team to stave off like regression, it's because they have a lot of good young and that defensive line still is just like it's a it's a great defensive line. And I think you feel good about that like don't you feel good about that defensive line going up against like pretty much any like do you really feel like oh like the Cowboys offensive line is gonna shut that offensive line or that defensive line down completely? I, I don't think you feel that way. No, in no way do I feel that way, uh, and I want to be clear here too that that's a
1: really great point. Like, and it's difficult to become like the one, like the outlier, right? Like the team to like prove all of statistics yeah. and data wrong. Uh, but if you're gonna do it, like you need to have some sort of particular data point like that that is is really working in your favor. What they remind me of, and I don't mean this like you know the way it sounds, but if if last season felt to me very similar to the 2018 Chicago Bears defense when they when they traded for Khalil Mack and they just turned into monsters like all of a sudden and mm-hmm. I, I actually think that Ryan Fitzpatrick might be able to be better than what Mitchell Trubisky was that season even though that was before oh. the, the wheels fully fell off yeah. there but so do you know where the Bears ranked in defensive DVOA that
2: season in 2018 you really love these guessing games don't you um, hey, I'm going to hey, say I know how to podcast they, I'm going to say they were uh, fifth overall they were
1: first they were hmm. first. And again, a huge, like, hugely successful playoff team lost to an inferior squad in the playoffs that year. It happens. Uh, but do you know where they ranked the following year? So this, uh, that's my point here, like, kind of angling to what we could maybe expect from Washington this coming season. They were still really respectable. Uh, so after 2018, when they were first, Chicago was eighth overall in defensive DVOA specifically. I was so going to guess eighth. So, so there is a dip. And so, like, you can still be really good, even if there's a dip. But my point yeah. is, that was a huge proponent for why they were as good as they were last year. And even the as good as they were last year is like measured as good as they were because they were seven and nine overall as a team. And so like, that's my question. Like if you're going to be a really good team, you have to have an elite thing. Like You can't have a very good thing. You have to have an elite thing. You have to have either an elite quarterback, an elite pass-catching group, an elite run game, an elite like level of the trenches. You have to have an elite head coach that can overcome some of these things. The elite thing on Washington's team is their defensive line or their, their front seven, however you want to categorize that. And so can that group be as elite? Because they're going to regress to some measurement, but can they maintain a level of eliteness, so to speak, that can keep everything else afloat?
2: Well, I think there's a case to be made. It could be better, though, because you're getting a secondary. I think that's better because you're adding William, William Jackson. Jackson. True. Cam Curl is taking a step forward. He showed progress last Cam year. I think he, he, I, he posted good numbers last year. I think he could take <laughs> a step forward. You're getting Landon Collins back, which I don't really love, but in theory, that could be something. Um, so and also just like Montez Sweat could take another step forward. Chase Young is most certainly hasn't shown his best to play after just like a, a stellar rookie season. And then you add Jamin Davis into the mix here I don't know what you're realistically expecting out of him but he's more exciting than like John Bostick or Cole Holcomb or some of the options they've had so like I think there's potential for some of these players not even looking at the unit as a whole to be better so from that perspective if that stacks up and that adds up then maybe the unit can hold serve and kind of still be like really good if not even the best like they could be the best defense in the nfl that's their ceiling that's mm-hmm. not I, I don't know that's you know their their floor they're probably a top 10 defense right yeah, their the uh, their floor is like yeah. eighth like where the bears were like yeah, that's yeah or even there yeah so yeah top quarter of the league defense i think is fair to say yeah at, at, at worst so i don't know like just looking at these names here i feel really good about it and yeah even if it does take a step back i still think it's not going to be a big one and I'm I'm also just interested to see, as I've talked about before with Fitzpatrick, like pairing him up with a defense like this and how that kind of affords him to be maybe even more aggressive than he usually is, because like the risks he takes like are going to be mitigated by the fact that they have a unit that is going to be able to bail him out and get turnovers and give him short fields to work with from time to time. So it's kind of an interesting pairing in concept. We'll see how it works out. Uh, it's an
1: interesting social experiment that's how I view this football team because you're right like it could be this it could be this nirvana for Ryan Fitzpatrick and if it is I will eat all the crow that you want to cook up here on the mixtape but it could also end really poorly and I do think that if they are 6 and 11 or 7 and 10 those are I I, I don't want to be the guy that's like man these are hard records to get used to because like we've heard that (laughs) trope a thousand times this offseason but if they're that bad I, I do think that people will come for the what is then the Ron Rivera era in Washington and be like, now you've got two straight seasons below 500 records. Like, what's going on? When are you going to get a quarterback? You're starting to waste Chase Young. You know what I mean? Like, that, that chatter will get really loud. And so my final question is, if mm-hmm. we assume some normal regression along the defense, again, not to middle of the pack or to the bottom of the league, what is most likely to step up to counterbalance it along the rest of the team?
2: Um. I think there's room for the running game to be pretty darn good. Like uh, Antonio Gibson last year, like showed some nice flashes, especially against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And mind you, he came into the NFL pretty I guess, raw. as a fair word to say as a runner. Like he wasn't like this big, like he only had so many carries in college, right? Like he wasn't even like a full-time running back for Memphis. So maybe, you know, another year uh, in the NFL or having that year of experience actually playing running back kind of is something that, the I'm not I don't think it's going to be quite to the point of again, like it's Derrick Henry or anything, but maybe it could be to the point where um, they they're pretty balanced and Ryan Fitzpatrick really doesn't have to carry the team uh, with his arm and they get positive uh, game scripts all the time. They're able to kind of just run the football. Ryan Fitzpatrick will kind of pick his spots here and there. He's not, again, like being re- tasked with, like, be the offense. Like, carry us. You're the franchise quarterback. You're, you're just, like, part of the offense. Um, so maybe it's like that. Maybe it's Terry McLaurin taking, like, an even further, like, a, like an even bigger step forward and being this, like, like elite weapon and like start to actually get like recognition as like oh wow this guy is probably it could be like a top five or is a top five receiver they have some young pieces there on offense between like gibson and mclaurin and you know obviously i i put curtis samuel as my, my most overrated player um but that's part of the contract i think he can still be a, you know an effective role player we'll see he hasn't had his best years but Rod rivera but point being long-winded answer being uh they have young they have young talent to be excited about that's all fair this was this was nice. I don't think we were rude to
1: anybody. I think this was really pleasant overall. I'm never rude,
2: so yeah, that's <laughs> par for the course. Uh,
1: before we leave, speaking of par and the course, I have not gotten an email yet at the time uh, of our mm-hmm. ending here. So, hey, we'll see. Who knows, who knows what's going to happen? Thanks, Bear. I know you want to go too, buddy. Uh, BLG, who are you rooting for in the Olympics and why?
2: I heard you ask Pete this question, <laughs> and I was like, why is this a question? Like, obviously, I mean, U.S., why I mean, do the obvious? Olympics?
1: I mean, you got it. I mean, you're an American. Like, say it. That's why I was saying we put
2: put it out, putting it out there. Repping for our squad, dude. But like, here's the thing I've been thinking about this before. So it's an it could be a nuclear take. Like, do the Olympics from an, from an athlete standpoint, yes. I, I, the answer to this, this question is yes. I know
1: where you're going. Go ahead. Do the
2: Olympics <laughs> really matter? Like, because they don't there's no like official winner. There's no like they no one's keeping like obviously they keep track of gold medals or whatever, but there's no like a win winner of the Olympics. Like, wow, this country won the Olympics.
1: I mean to your point there should be like a massive gold like statue that they give the country that yeah. had the most gold medals and then like a country gets a silver statue right. or like a what like a statue of liberty size statue I get that um, something it is cool to win though that's the whole point like we want to win and so we're gonna win USA this is one of the few instances where we can be on the same team and you should <laughs>
2: revel in that the real america's team the united states <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, okay, so gold medal <laughs> show here on the NFC's Mixtape. Everybody subscribe to both the Bleeding Nation and Blogging the Boys podcast networks. Leave a rating on both. ride a review on both. You can say whatever you want on each as long as you give a five-star review. BLG, as always, the last word belongs to you.
2: Go to bleedingregionation.com.